Actually, I don't. I wasn't ready, but that's okay. <laughs> I need to p pull up my introduction. Okay, now I'm ready. Here we go. Welcome everyone to the Mile High Champions League Weekly Podcast. I am your host, the Commish, and with me as always is the man who are, is not afraid of no ghosts. Noel, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm currently slightly afraid of some ghosts, so it's, it's, I'm been, thinking about that. it's been a challenging day. I'm sorry, well at least Halloween's over because I was thinking about Ghostbusters and the song, <laughs> and the guy's saying, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And so I really deconstructed that comment down to I are is not afraid of no ghosts, which simply means, you know, is is equal in the English language. So if you are is not, you are not. And then if you're afraid of no ghosts, it means you're afraid of the absence of ghosts. <laughs> so I don't know. At any rate, want to talk about fantasy football, No. Sure. Although, fun fact, um, that song, I Ain't Afraid No Ghosts from Ghostbusters, was basically stolen from Huey Lewis in the News. So, yeah. We could do a whole podcast on uh, American Psycho and Huey Lewis in the News. That's a good movie. Um, at any rate, let's talk a little bit of football here um, because some interesting things happened. Um, and let's go right into the MVT. The MVT of the week was the Highlands Branch Buffaloes, who had an absolutely amazing game against Gordy, 253 to 167. And the player of the week was Mr. Aaron Jones. Mr. Aaron Jones is on the Title Town Warriors, who had a relatively muted 200-point week and got you 69 points. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, so even though you um, only got 200, at least Aaron Jones got you about a third of your points. That's nice. He sure did. Yeah. So he really kind of kicked ass for you. So congratulations on the MVP, Noel. Thank you. On uh, the Survivor Elimination, you're very welcome. On the Survivor Elimination Challenge, there's none because yours truly was the lowest scoring points person, but I was already eliminated back that in sucks. week seven. So the that means we're going to have at least two survivors for this year's challenge. So splitting that prize. All right, Noel, let's go on to the shithead of the week. What do you got? Okay, so I want to make sure there, there's no shithead of the week this week because I felt like, and this is not in lieu of or anything, like, and I'm not saying that this person is the shithead of the week because this is the usual spot for it. I just thought we'd take a second to talk about what's going on with Joe Flacco. Um, and, you know, he, I don't know if you Broncos fans all saw, but he had some terse words for the Broncos play calling and coaching in that loss against uh oh gosh who was it Mike I didn't watch the that game that was against the um new Albuquerque isotopes I don't remember actually who the Broncos played last week it wasn't the was it, it wasn't the Browns they played the Browns this week it's true lord um, help us anyways um yeah just it's kind of like, Colts. hey, why didn't it we go? Colts. Well, it's Colts. You're correct. Um, you know, why we handed the ball off, why we didn't go deeper, why, we're more, why we weren't more aggressive. And he was both correct in those kind of criticisms. It also took some heat from yours truly included, saying, well, that's kind of rich coming from Joe Flacco, who just kind of checks the ball down all the time. However, um, let's take a look here. Oh, and so here's kind of the subsequent part to that. Then it was revealed that Joe Flacco had a neck injury, and now he is on the IR, and now there's some conspiracy that maybe Elway and others shelved him because he's talked back. Well, I don't know if that's the case. It could be a lot of things, and I feel first and foremost we should point out that this season isn't Flacco's fault. He didn't trade for himself. Elway knew what he was getting when he got Flacco, and Flacco has pretty much been Joe Flacco, which is he's going to check the ball down, he's going to manage the game, He's going to take some hits, which is going to get himself hurt, which probably the case here. And that's what he is. And Elway takes, should take much more of the blame for that. But in this situation, we don't know if this is also them deactivating Flacco because he's going, I could play through this, but I really don't want to. 
and maybe Elway's doing him a solid and going, all right, I won't subject you to any more of the fans' ire here. So it could be a lot of things, but Flacco is out for the rest of the season, and from now on we get to watch, what is it, Brandon Allen, a second-year player, fifth-year or fifth round draft pick out of Arkansas who spent last year on the practice squad of the 49ers. So he's familiar with Rick Scrangello, Scrangello, I can't pronounce his last name, um, his offense there. So yeah, it's kind of an all around shit storm, but I just wanted to point out it's really not on Joe Flacco. So I guess this is the, not the anti shit head of the week, but a, He's not the shithead of the week kind of a thing. Got it. Well, you know, I think that's very fair. Uh, Broncos are certainly struggling this year. And Brennan had a very interesting text today, Friday, November 1st, 2019. He said, maybe we should just tank the rest of the season, essentially, and then get some better draft picks, which I am not exactly against. I think a lot of these teams just want to win because there's a certain pride in that. But, hey, we should have a pretty good draft next year. Which, by the way, that actually brings me on a tangential subject. Noel, Ben, and myself like to to record this generally on Wednesdays, uh, as we've had in the past where we just couldn't get our schedules to align. And with Halloween yesterday, it was kind of a little wonky. That's why we're recording it tonight, Friday. But assume that our days for recording are, number one, we're going to try to do it on Wednesday. Number two, try to do it on Thursday, because that's also the live game, so we can comment on the shit that's going on live. And then number three is our backup day. And that's today. And if we can't, unfortunately, do it on Friday. So at the very latest, you'll have our podcast on Saturday morning, but hopefully before then. So wanted to apologize that we're getting this one out a little late to you all. But nevertheless, uh, we are doing it. So let's uh, thank you for that, Noel. I thought that was actually very insightful. I appreciate your comments there. Let's go to these, this day in history, which is kind of a neat one because of the person we'll be discussing. November 1st, 1959. Cleveland running back Jim Brown scores five touchdowns against Baltimore to lead the Browns to a 38-31 to 31 victory. That's impressive. So he had all, uh, he had, what, 30, 35 of those points, including the pat, I mean, and then a field goal. So congratulations, Jim Brown. That's a heck of an accomplishment of 60 years ago. <laughs> wow. Yes. All right. So that's our uh, This Day in History. I'm sure if Ben's listening, he's already asleep because... That's how Ben works. We're going to skip Dylan <laughs> McDermott versus Dermot Mulroney this week. Uh, and let's look at the playoff picture because it's about that time. There's only four games left. We have one-third of the season left to go before the playoffs are here. Believe it or not, even with Noel, Brandon, and Vanessa kicking ass, nobody right now is a lock. Noel, at 8-0, you are technically could still be dethroned from your top position here. Uh, unlikely, and there are other teams there who could actually um, score as many wins as you. I don't know if they'll score as many points as you, but you're still not you're not mathematically is what I'm trying to say. Between the Rams, the Legend of Lincoln, and Into the Flame, Five Second Chug, all of these teams could theoretically, theoretically, not po- it's possible, not probable, knock you out of the playoffs. But I'm you're pretty much in. So I'd, I'd say it's not mathematically eliminated, but you're pretty much in. Brandon. Kind of the same thing at 6-2. and two. That's a pretty solid place to be. He really only needs one or two more wins, and he's in. Vanessa at 7-1. I mean, 7 is kind of the, the entryway into the winner's circle. So with 7, she's pretty much there. She'd have to lose this remaining month, essentially, for her to not make the playoffs. That doesn't seem likely. And believe it or not, Galloping Gonorrhea's and Space Force Space are Force. both not mathematically eliminated, technically. So... This is kind of strange, even though we've had a complete bifurcation of winners and losers in our league. Um, not everyone is out. It, even as we head into week nine, it's still anybody's game. There's obviously favorites, as we were talking about. But even loser teams like mine at three and five still have a chance. Now, we'll talk about this in the in the preview a little bit. But I think it's kind of interesting that um, the Gonorrheas and Space Force are playing this week. So in a kind of bittersweet moment, one of them will get their first win and one of them will go 0 and 9, which kind of sucks. Yes. Anyway, much sucks. very much sucks. So sorry about that for whoever the loser is, but hey, you're all winners in my heart. All right, let's go to the recaps. I'll start off with the Space Force versus the Spartans. This was actually a pretty close game here because Space Force, Poor Nick. I mean, his team on paper should be a lot better than they actually are. It's just they get these kind of 
whiffs like from Corey Davis, who only got him three points that really keep him out of the running. Brandon had a good week, but it wasn't a great week. Like it wasn't the type of showing you'd expect from a six and two team. But nevertheless, uh, congratulations, Brandon, on your win. You were six and two. Nick, as we were talking about, is zero oh and eight. And let's kind of just tackle this real quick. Quarterback position was actually a good game by both of them, believe it or not, because famous Jameis came back and scored 32 points. Whereas in the prior week, um, well, he had a bye week the prior week, so he did nothing. Um, but he just hasn't been hasn't been as good as I thought he'd be. He's been good, but he's only 17 out of 32 quarterbacks that you could start in the Mile High Champions League, so he's not that great. Josh Allen, though, had a kind of a subpar game because he has been doing well. He, uh, he's been averaging about 25. Actually, excuse me. He was projected 30 points. He got 26, so he un- underperformed expectations. In the running back spot, speaking of underperformance, Austin Eckler for Nick unfortunately only got 11 points, which is way off what he has been doing. Even with Melvin Gordon back, that's way off what he has been doing and is capable of. Contrast that with Brandon, who got 14 points from Todd Gurley. That's really not that great. This is where I think the game was decided. As I noted, Corey Davis, Tennessee wide receiver for Nick, got him three points when he was projected 17. Michael Thomas, even though he was projected a wild 33, got 42 for two points for Brandon this week. That's pretty amazing. So that, I think, is what causes to be different. Because if you look at the tight end spot, George Kittle got him 23 points. George Kittle is the man this year. In fact, he had another good week to start the week yesterday, Thursday. Um, and Evan Ingram had a pretty good week for Brandon, too, 18 points. So the tight end spot was pretty even. Even more even was flex one, where Nick's Philip Lindsay scored 19 to Brandon's Josh Jacobs scoring 18. The flex two has got where a little got kind of out of control. Tevin Coleman got 55 points for Nick this week, which you would have thought, hey, a guy getting 55 points would have been enough to put him over the top. But having Austin Eckler and Corey Davis score 14 points combined from your lead running back and wide receiver. I mean, that's what Todd Gurley did by himself. And so it's really going to knock you out when two of your guys just massively underperform like that. It's a shame. So even though Tevin Coleman had an absolute monster, monster game for Nick, it wasn't enough to put him over the top. Allen Robinson kind of counterbalanced that with a 17-point game, kind of in line with expectations this week, not in line with Noel's expectations, for the season as he's been averaging 24 points a game and proving, I think, well, not just you, Noel, myself wrong as well. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked Allen Robinson. Um, even if you gave him to me for free, I probably would have ended up dropping him at some point. So <laughs> might illustrate why I'm three and five. Anyways, the, uh, the defensive positions here, Nick had the Vikings at 22 points. That's a good showing. And the Jaguars, D is still rocking and rolling against the powerhouse. Is that the right word? New York Jets, powerhouse. <laughs> that may, may not be the right descriptor. But they did get 26 points, so that's pretty good for Brandon and punters and kickers. So congratulations, Brandon, on another victory. This is uh, it's going well for you. Things are looking up, Brando. And apologies, Nick, to your uh, eighth loss of the season. But we'll see what happens this week as we head into the battle of the winless teams. So, all right, let's uh, um, go on to the next game. Noel, if you don't mind, why don't you tackle my game and Ben's into the flame. And by the way, Ben, congratulations on your victory. Will do. Um, yes, this was, Mike, obviously, this was a tough loss for you. It was an inspired, uh, in, your, your patience paid off. You picked up Drew Brees and put him on your IR and started him right away in 35.8 points, which is very good considering, like, I think kind of one of the surprising things so far this year is most of, there hasn't really been a week where the quarterback's the guy on anyone's team. So, unfortunately, Mike, he was for you at 35.8 points. And really kind of what went wrong here, we'll get into Ben's team in a second, you'll kind of see why, is this year you've kind of needed to have not just the one guy who has just a huge week, but then maybe one or two more who just really outperform projections. And, Mike, in your case, you had... That and Drew Brees, who outperformed but didn't have a monster week. He just didn't have anybody who had that monster week. Then you had Derrick Henry, who underperformed at 15 points, which if you had told me that since you know the Titans beat Tampa Bay, I would have thought, oh, they played a lot of ground control. Nope, only 15 points from Derrick Henry. Tyreek Hill is just, well, it wasn't so much that he's really missing Patrick Mahomes. If you watch that Green Bay game, they put two people on Tyreek Hill at all times. 
they were not going to get beat by him. And they didn't, even though with 22 points, which is just over his projection. But, Mike, you want those explosive plays, and those just weren't there. Travis Kelsey, kind of the same thing. Had a huge play in the first half, and then they kind of did the same thing with him. Tried to make him disappear. Uh, Devontae Freeman just not having the kind of a breakout game he needs, even with 25 points this season. Odell Beckham Jr., Mike, I think it's probably the biggest disappointment on your roster, 15 points. Bill's defense, 11.5, not bad. And then your kickers and punters were kickers and punters this week. To Ben's game, Carson Wentz continues to underperform, 21.4 points. Le'Veon Bell also underperforming, 9 points with just that rudderless Jets team, even with Darnold back, apparently they suck. DeAndre Hopkins... This is kind of where Ben got what I was talking about earlier, Mike, where he got the just overperformed, overperformed, and blew up. DeAndre Hopkins, 35 points. Darren Fells, huge game, 29 points. Mike Evans, 65 points, which I know this is probably driven Ben nuts. Just some weeks he'll get single digits. Some weeks he'll get 65 points. And how do you project that? No idea. Tyler Boyd, down week, 19 points. But here's kind of where... Ben, if he already hadn't had the huge week from Mike Evans, probably would have still taken home the win. 25 points from his defense as they just obliterated Carolina. And then 19 points from the wad man. That's right. 19 points from a punter. And that's yeah. going to be tough to beat between Mike Evans and Darren Fells. And then that, that kind of production from your defense and your punter. That was just, that was not your week, Mike. So, unfortunately for you, you went down this week, and Ben had a just huge win to move to five and three. And now... Very oops, huge. Very huge. On to the next game, which is it the Human Resources Buffaloes versus the Legend of Lincoln? That's the one. This is the MVT of the week versus a... Pretty good showing, believe it or not, by Cordy. Just wasn't enough to win when you play the MVT. In fact, it's impossible to beat the MVT because they're the highest scoring team. Ka-chow. Anyways, let's look at the uh, let's look at what happened here. So 253, as I said, to 167. Uh, it was just all around excellence on Vanessa's team minus her tight end position. Deshaun Watson, who we actually talked about maybe throwing out Trey because she's got him and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just stacked. At quarterback, quarter uh, Russell Wilson's number three overall, Deshaun Watson number two. Uh, but we didn't make a trade before the deadline because she didn't need to, quite frankly. And I'm never going to ask for a trade that doesn't make sense. She, uh, I was saying, you know, I got running backs, and she doesn't need running backs. She has this guy named Christian McGoffrey. M- 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 He's all right. No, He's pretty good. Uh, the guy in, in Carolina, South Carolina, probably. So at any rate, yeah, uh, didn't didn't need to trade because she's got Deshaun Watson and a hell of a lot of firepower in other places. Courtney actually wisely played Jared Goff on a good week because he mm-hmm. he is doing what he did last year, and this is what he snake bit me last year too. Starts off weak, I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. I drop him. In the last two games, he scored 62.4, holy shit, 62.8 points in the last two games. So he's really starting to come into his own. But when you got a guy like Deshaun Watson throwing 40 points on the board, even though it's a good 32-point game, it's obviously not going to win. She had a really good showing. She, Courtney, with Nick Chubb here at 28, but then the Christian McCaffrey machine just kept rolling with 48 points, which, believe it or not, is actually a minor underperformance to his weekly average. <laughs> he beat his projection of 36 points, but he's been averaging 48.9 points <laughs> per week. That's insane. And we were talking about this last week. When you pay up for a player, sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. But holy cow, Vanny bought her wins with Christian McCaffrey. And kudos to her because that was uh, inspired. Anyways, uh, let's go into the wide receiver position. This was a just dominated by Julio Jones for Vanessa, 43 points. Calvin Ridley, also on the Atlanta team, did, did okay, 20 points. But, I mean, less than half of what Julio Jones did. Courtney actually beat Vanessa in the tight end position because Vanessa's tight end only got five points. But that beat was just by a little. Zach Ertz on Courtney's team got six points, massively underperforming by a third. uh, Excuse me, only a third of his projection of 18 points. So just not a good position uh, positionally wise for Vanessa, even though she only lost by a point. 
Now, this is where it went bonkers because in the flex one position, Cooper Cup got 65 points to T.Y. Helton's 12, and Chris Carson got 24 to James White's 19. So Courtney got 31 points out of her two flex positions, and Cooper Cup got double that by himself. So it's a little bonkers there. Um, the defense is Courtney's wisely played the Patriots D against a pathetic Cleveland offense. As you were saying, Odell Beckham Jr. is just not the same. Even with the, the mouth-breathing dummy throwing to him, you would have thought, well, <laughs> he's not that good of a quarterback. And you, Baker Mayfield is arguably better. That was my logic, at least. Um, but he's just not hes just not the same guy in Cleveland. There's just very little chemistry between uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and um, Baker Mayfield. Now, the guy to have, and I'm going way on a tangent here, but the guy to have in Cleveland is Jarvis Landry. They have, I mean, oh, that dude's on fire. I think he's hurt, but normally he's, he's the way to go. Now, didn't help at all because obviously Cleveland lost this week and the Patriots uh, completely trounced them from a defensive perspective, giving Courtney 29 points, and that helped uh, her win in this positionally against Vanessa, whose Rams uh, only got 12 and a half points there. Kickers and punters both showed up and were present in four points, but hooray, this was Vanessa's week. So congratulations, Vanessa, on your win here. You are on your seven-game winning streak. Lost week one, that probably didn't feel great, but now that you've won almost two months in a row, that's got to feel good. And here's what's actually most impressive about Vanessa's team. Vanessa has the least amount of transactions in the Mile High Champions League this year. She's only made four roster moves, which means she had an absolutely stellar draft. So Vanessa's playing with the team that she drafted. Foresight, genius, whatever it is, it's working for her. So congratulations, Vanessa. Sorry about your loss. Courtney, Noel, if you don't mind, go on to the Larson Bowl, the Rams versus the Galloping Gonorrheas. All right. The Larson Bowl was a relatively close matchup, and I was just looking at this while you were doing the recap of the prior game, Mike, and Really, this was excellent management by uh, both Larson and Grant of the uh, Galloping Fort Ty Gonderosas. I think I've used that one before, but whatever. <laughs> um, and because both had to manage their injuries and bye weeks, so Matt Larson started Matt Stafford because his just baller QB, Lamar Jackson, is on a bye week. And... In the stead of Dak Prescott, who's on bye week, Grant Larson started Grant. Oh wait, sorry, Daniel Jones. That didn't work out as well. And both players had huge games: thirty-five points for Matt Stafford, thirty-nine point six points for the rookie Daniel Jones, and a lot of that came in what we love in fantasy: garbage time. But garbage time. Then you also had forty-one points from Saquon Barkley, who, uh, like what you talked about with uh, Christian McCaffrey so far this year, was kind of what I was enjoying last year with Saquon Barkley, where it was, like, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. insane. However, uh, Matt Larson had just a tremendous... I mean, I know Alvin Kamara's hurt, but Latavius Murray is not Alvin Kamara. And Drew Brees is back, so it's like, they're going to throw the ball a lot. They did, but they ran it more. So 56 points for Latavius Murray. Great start there. John Brown's been having just an out-of-his-mind year this year, which n- no one saw coming. And so it made sense to start him. Only 15 points for Larson. Cortland Sutton, who you thought would maybe do better with Manuel Sanders, traded to the 49ers. Uh, 17 points for Grant. Jimmy Graham has just not really been there ever since he left uh, New Orleans. So seven points there. But Gerald Gerald Larson. Okay, too many Larsons here, apparently. Gerald Everett, five (laughs) points. Mike, you enjoyed that when you tried to start him when you needed him by weekend. He did nothing. Uh, James Conner, huge point. Huge week, 43 points. DJ Moore down week, 12 points. Ty Johnson, which uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if uh, Larson still had him on his roster because no one quite knows what's going on at Detroit backfield right now. Eight points. Miles Sanders, huge week, 41 points. It's just a big play threat, both uh, on offense and the special teams. Steelers defense, you're basically going to start whoever is playing Miami offense with so 26 points there. Packers defense, that was kind of a rough week against uh, – Matt Moore, the Packers defense struggled against Matt Moore. That's right, nine points. And then from there, kickers and punters, huge week uh, and huge win for Matt Larson uh, and a painful loss for Grant Larson to move him to 0-8, as you said before, Mike. 
but a chance to change that in the week coming up. And Mike, take us on to the next game, which I'm not going to introduce because this is the one where I never know if it's my game or a different game. <laughs> I will do your game, sir, if you do the okay. five-second chug. Yes. Um, do the marital bowl because that's Molly versus Josh. So, yeah, uh, congratulations again on your victory, Noel. You had a big win against the Merc Doomgivers here, Merc. especially since you're both in the same division. So a 200-point game for you versus 173 for Kenfield. Again, this was a pretty good mm -hmm. week by everyone overall. There wasn't any scores that were like, ooh, wow, 99, that's no good. Most people scored, uh, in fact, everybody scored north of 150. Everyone was somewhere between, mostly in the 180 range. Um, so it was a pretty good week overall. Uh, but it was just, again, your your season, this is your season essentially to lose now at all. Uh, so don't. Don't fuck it up. Damn it. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's look at the uh, quarterback position. Kind of mediocre play by both guys here. Kyler Murray got you 13.8 points, under underperforming his 29-point projection. Tom Brady has got you 24 – excuse me, got Kenfield 24 points. About in line with his projections. That's nothing spectacular. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I'm a little surprised here. Only 16 points for you this week in the running back position, but that's okay because Kenfield's Royce Freeman got – 16 points, so you completely evened each other out there. The Denver Broncos. In the, uh, that's right, with the Denver Broncos. In the wide receiver position, the man of the hour, as I was just mentioning, Jarvis Landry, um, got you almost exactly what he was projected to get at 18 points. Chris Godwin, though, underperformed for Kenfield and only got him 14, so you won in that slot. In tight end position, it was kind of a mediocre showing by both Darren Waller, who has been a stud in the past, got you 10. But that's okay because Dallas Goddard, is that how that's pronounced? I think they say Goddard on television, which doesn't Goddard? make a lot of sense. But... Go Daddy. Go Goddard. Daddy. Get a sponsorship, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Dallas. I'm just going to call him Dallas. So Mr. Dallas um, got him uh, Kenfield 14 points. So really not a great showing there. In his word, it kind of got fun. In your flex positions, you scored over 100 points in your – positions alone Kenfield did really well there as well he got 66 but it was just monster I mean Dalvin Cook for you you, you just you are stacked of running back more than anybody else I think Dalvin Cook got you 44 points Tyler Lockett for Kenfield 31 great showings in the flex one flex two Aaron Jones the MVP of the week got you 69 versus Julian Edelman got uh, Kenfield 35 so great showings in the flex positions here but Looking at the remaining scores here, because your defenses were about even, your kickers and punters were about the same if you kind of aggregate them, this is where you won. I mean, Aaron Jones scored more points than those two combined, Your two, uh, his two flex spots, I should say. So congratulations, Noel, on another monster victory here. Let's go on to the Marital Bowl, which was damn close, um, settled by just three points. So if you don't mind, take it away. Absolutely. Um, and the story of this one was, unfortunately – that uh, Washington team is so bad that they really didn't have to pass. So um, Josh's skins got just, I mean, it was only 19-9, to 9, but they got trounced because it was basically, they were doing an offense, and the Vikings were doing whatever the hell they wanted on defense. So, yep, yeah, uh, only 15.6 points for Kirk Cousins, who after kind of a slow start is basically an MVP candidate, and even with uh, Aaron Jones scoring 40, not Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, there's just too many people with the same name, Mike, uh, 41.6 points to keep it close. That was kind of the only thing that went just super right for Josh this week. Leonard Fournette, 34 points, which about what he's projected, but that's still a huge week from running back. Sody Michelle, even with that game in New England, which was just rainy as hell, only 14 points. They managed to pass the ball better somehow because Tom Brady's a – you know, just a weirdo. Uh, DJ Chark, just, again, these crazy pickups like Allen Robinson. Why would you do that? But why would you pick up DJ Chark? Well, Molly knew. 27 points. Mohamed Sanu, who I think will pay dividends down the line in his first week playing New England, only six points. Eric Ebron is having you know, just kind of an Eric Ebron kind of season. Eight points, uh, slightly below projection. Austin Hooper, breakout season, 25 points. 36 points, Stefan Diggs, who is with this kind of rebirth of Kirk Cousins, has come the re rebirth of Stefan Diggs. Uh, easily beats out Marlon Max, 24 points. Marvin Jones, slow week after having a monster week last week. It just kind of seems to be how this works for whoever owns Marvin Jones. 
Hunter Henry down week for him, only 13 points. Um, and then from there, really pretty close, almost dead even. It was just, there was just too much underperforming um, on Josh's side to kind of just overcome and just some huge, huge performances, 34 Fournette, DJ Chark 27, and 36 really just carried Molly to a much-needed win to move her to 5-3 and three and puts Josh at a not bad, but, you know, you'd rather not be 3-5. and five. But that was, yeah, that was a close game. That's probably one of the closest ones in a while, right, Mike? Yes. Uh, in fact, Josh has unfortunately um, been snake-bitten twice this year. I think he lost by one point earlier in the uh, – I had to go back and check, but he just hit – Fortunately, this poor chap has lost. Uh, I'm gonna. In fact, I'm gonna go back through his schedule here. Where are we? Do here it is. Week four. He lost to the Littleton Spartans, one thirty-two point one. Excuse me. It wasn't one point. It was point one point. One thirty-two point one to one thirty-two point two. So man, I yeah, that's just tough. That's just tough for Josh to be three and five. But hey, silver lining. He's gonna be a dad in February. Awesome. So, all right, let's go on to the uh, previews for the week. It's in, and since it's already started here, I think this will be kind of fun. Before we do, let's tackle the uh, bye weeks. There are four teams this week and actually have some very serious fantasy oh, yeah. implications. We have the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, the nope. Los Angeles Rams, and the New Orleans Saints. So there's significant bye weeks here where people just – that you'd expect to see there from Todd Gurley to Drew Brees to Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. They're just not going to be on the field. Uh, actually, I think the big one here is Alvin Kamara while well, he's out. But um, Michael Thomas, I think, is going to be a- an issue because yes. he uh, for Brandon because he's been so absolutely studly. So we'll, we'll have to see. Anyway, let's dive into the scoreboards and the previews for Week 9. In fact, I will start with your game, Noel. You are presently losing to the uh, slow computer screen. That's I don't want an ad. Why? Why would I want an ad? (laughs) This is exactly what you want, bitch. All right. So you're presently losing to the Legend of Lincoln. She has 50 points to your 33. Uh, You are still projected to win by about 20 points, though, just a shade under, and that's probably a fair projection here because Courtney. Interestingly enough, both of your quarterbacks went head-to-head last night in the Thursday night game. Your Kyler Murray did fantastic, 33 points. Courtney's Jimmy Garoppolo did even better at 39.6 points. But the reason why I think you're still projected to win is Larry Fitzgerald only got 11 points for her when he's projected 15. This hasn't been his season per se. He hasn't really been all that good. He's been averaging 16.9 points per game. That's like eh, pretty good tight end territory. Not what you'd want from your uh, wide receiver number one. So I think that's certainly going to hold her back. Now let's look at the position by position here. You have Mr. Tariq Cohen going against a, um, I think, a fairly good Philly defense here. And he's only projected 14 points versus Nicholas Chubb going against the Broncos defense. I think, well, I know the Broncos' D is good against the pass. They are absolutely unstoppable there. But what do you think their game is against the run? I think they're pretty good. But do you think they'll be able to shut Chubb down? I don't think so. I mean, the only thing that's really gone right for the Browns' offense so far has been Nick Chubb. And when they stay in games, it's because they keep feeding him the ball. And when they do really badly, it's because they keep throwing it. So I Mm. think Nick Chubb will have a good game. I see. All right, thank you for your insights. Um, and I, to kind of, sorry about the snow, but the cherry on top of that pain sandwich for Tariq Cohen is he's going <laughs> against the six-rated Philly defense there. Yes. As we were talking about in the wide receiver one position, Larry Fitzgerald only got 11 points. Keenan Allen's going against a pretty good 13th-ranked Green Bay defense there, so I'm sure he'll do just fine. I think, actually, I think he'll have a really good week. I would say he's projected 22. My guess is he'll be north of 30, and here's why. Green Bay is absolutely great this year. They're going to put up a lot of points. Philip Rivers is going to have to throw as a result. His favorite target is Keenan Allen. So I think you'll get a lot of points there. Actually, his favorite target might be Austin Eckler, thinking about yeah. it. Like when it comes to absolute volume, He's I think a PPR he PPR machine. He is an absolute PPR machine. Actually, I think Eckler might get the most targets and receptions, but when it comes to points, 
from um, the ball being thrown. I think Keenan Allen's is your dude on the Los Angeles Chargers. In the tight end position, we were just talking about Darren Waller. He's going against a kind of pathetic Detroit secondary against tight ends versus Zach Ertz, who's going else against a also kind of pathetic Chicago defense against tight ends here. So I think this will be a pretty good matchup. I, you, well, Darren Waller has predict- to bounce back, right? Like he's had just back-to-back bad weeks. And it's Zach Ertz. He can't not bounce back. That's it. And I'm, I mean, I think that's a great point. He's Prior to these last two weeks, he's been getting in the 20-ish range. He's been averaging, because of these last two weeks, only 15 points a game. But I think he's at least double digits. He's projected 15.6. I think you're right. I think Chicago especially has the kind of, quote-unquote, firepower to put points on the road. Or points on the points on the board, and I put that in quotes because you got Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, and that's always a question mark. So, or Mr. Trubinsky or Mitchell. Um, the guy who loves Chitez. And so we, uh, well, <laughs> I'm never going to forget that one, Noel. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think this, I'm going to call this one even. I like both of these guys here. Flex one, you have James White versus Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook is going against the last place Kansas City defense against the run. So you just have to assume Dalvin Cook's going to blow up. Now, you might think they might try. You might They might try to stop Dalvin Cook, but then you're leaving it open for Stephon Diggs and you're leaving it open for Adam Thielen. So it's going to be a rough go in KC this week, especially without Patrick Mahomey. Uh, I don't think it's going to be – they're not going to put up a ton of points, so I think they'll probably be able to continue to run the ball with Minnesota. So I think Dalvin Cook's just going to dominate this week. Now, uh, running against him, James White, who is currently questionable, is going against Baltimore's seventh-ranked defense here. James White is questionable with a toe injury. Uh. Limited participant in practice here on Friday. That's never a good thing. Toes do not heal quickly. So I think um, besides the absolute machine that is Dalvin Cook, if James White even plays, I don't think he's going to be able to outperform. Aaron Jones against Adrian Peterson. I think Cordy was just feeling nostalgic here because he hasn't he's the 39th ranked running back this year. He's going to a pretty bad Buffalo defense against the run at 20, but he's projected 20 points. Aaron Jones is running against Chargers absolutely pitiful run defense and so I think you got to give this one to Aaron Jones as well. So, uh, looking at these last two positions, you got the Titans D at Carolina and the Patriots D at Baltimore. I think the Patriots actually are going to lose this week because Baltimore's offense is so good and Carolina's is just not there, especially since Matt Moore has come back to earth from his first four starts where he was just absolutely dominant. So I think the Titans will actually outperform the Patriots in this one wonky week and then kickers and punters. So even though you're currently losing Noel at 30 points, I think your season's going to go 9-0. and I don't, I don't see a reason for you to lose this week barring some sort of like absolutely explosive game by Nicholas Chubb because the, the the players Courtney now has to rely upon for explosive games are Nick Chubb, which is a possibility, Zach Ertz, which is less of a possibility, James White, which is even less of a possibility. Actually, I, I actually put him above Zach Ertz there. And then Adrian Peterson, who I, I don't know, go cut me a switch. And so I don't think he's going to actually do anything. Um, so, yeah, I think this is your week, Noel. I think you're going to go 9-0. and Courtney will go 4-5. and So let's hop on to the next one. If you don't mind, tackle my game versus Brandon. All right. So, Mike, right off the bat, you are projected to win by a decent margin. However, um, Brandon has not addressed his bye week situation yet. But uh, we'll get into that as we go along. Um, see, this is where... I'm going to offer up some advice, which Brandon should probably not take because he's Brandon, so he knows better. Uh, Jameis Winston against a not great Seattle defense, not what we've known in the past, but they do have some ball hawks, and Jameis Winston does like to cough the ball up, and this game is here in Seattle, although I don't believe it's supposed to rain on Sunday. But still, um, he's going to take some heat, he's going to get pressured, uh, Young Clowney will be coming after him, so... I don't know if I like that start over Jacoby Brissett, who is just kind of dialed in at this point against a Pittsburgh defense, which is not very good. Um, but, Mike, you're going with the legend of Gardner Minshew, who has just been money this year. And up here, he's everyone loves Gardner Minshew because he's a Washington State alum. And that Houston defense can be tough, but J.J. Watt is now out for the season. They'll still get some pressure after him, but Gardner Minshew just has some sort of 
weird rookie-esque, just getting the ball out, scoring points. So I like that start over both Jameis Winston and Jacoby Brissett, although I just Jacoby Brissett is more safe in this instance. Um, Todd Gurley is out because he's on his bye week. But, uh, Mike, Brandon does have Carlos Hyde on his bench, who I'd imagine he'll start. And mm-hmm. Hyde's been having a good week, like a good week, year, good year so far. So I think that's a, that's a possibility there against Jacksonville defense, which is pretty stout. Um, and I would imagine they want to run the ball. So we'll see what happens. Derrick Henry against the Carolina defense, which is hit and miss. Good, bad. Like, they're good, but then last week they allowed four touchdowns from uh, Tevin Coleman. So are they bad? Hmm. You don't know, but he's going to get fed the ball, and he can just fill it up with huge plays at any time. So I like Derrick Henry there against uh, Carlos Hyde, assuming he plays, makes it switched. Michael Thomas, this one is a big one for uh, old Brandon there. He is out on a bye week. Brandon's option right now is Mike Williams, who's a big play receiver. But, you know, how how many big plays does old Marmalar Phillip Rivers have left in him? Who knows? And Tyreek Hill, depending on what the Vikings do, if they try and just bracket him the entire time, he could get the 22.7 points, or he could have 70, because he's that kind of a player. So I like Tyreek Hill against uh, Mike Williams there. Evan Ingram has kind of had some up-and-down weeks. And it's Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey, I think, gets the check there. Josh Jacobs, the... God damn you, Brandon. I'm still pissed off you took him from me. Oh, you didn't take him from me. Good pick, Brandon. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, the best rookie running back so far this season against Mark Ingram, who very quietly, Mike, I think is having a great year for you. I think that one's actually kind of a push. Allen Robinson, even with Mitchell Trubisky playing poorly, has been the player to have in Chicago against Tyrell Williams, who is very touchdown dependent. So I like Allen Robinson there. Jaguars defense against Houston. That's going to be tough, but I would imagine Brandon might flip in the Panthers' defense to go up against the, oh my god, Ryan Tannehill-led Tennessee Titans. Bill's defense, Mike, this is a tremendous start from you because they're playing Dwayne Haskins is getting his first NFL start for the Skins this week. So I think that's going to be good because he not only likes to throw interceptions, but there's already word coming out of uh, the Skins' camp that he doesn't know the playbook, which is always great. Um, and then from there, kickers and punters, although Brandon's punter has a tremendous mullet. And from there, I, Mike... Yes, I, that to... is a tremendous mullet. Um, I think everyone in the Mile High Champions League needs to look up Google Jamie, J-I-M-I-E, Gillen, G-I-L-L-A-N, and Marvel. <laughs> So let's yeah. Thank you very much for that, Noel. Um, this will be. I think this will be a fun game between Brandon and myself. Uh, let's let's go on to the next game here. It's the Space Force versus the Galloping Gonorrheas. We finally will have one less winless team in this in the league, but it'll come at the cost of somebody's no season. Yeah, because it will. Uh, it will knock whoever wins this week will knock the other person out of the playoff contention. And as of now, Nick. Is pro- is projected to win one sixty two to one forty nine, so we will we will see if that plays out. Um, there's any given Sunday, though, as we all know from fantasy football, anything can happen. So let's look at the quarterback slots. You have Josh Allen for Nick going against a mediocre Washington defense, and Dak Prescott for Grant going against a actually worse Giants defense here. So I think. Even though Mr. Allen is proposed, uh, projected, excuse me, to score a little bit higher, I think Dak Prescott, especially since he's the fifth-ranked uh, quarterback overall this season, I think this is Dak's week to lose. Actually, so he's projected less, but I think he'll actually score more. In the running back position, you have Tevin Coleman for Nick and Saquon Barkley for Grant. Tevin Coleman's going against a pretty bad Arizona D, and Saquon's going against a uh, mediocre Dallas D. So I think uh, you know this is going to be good. I. I you have to give it to Saquon Barkley, though, is what you were saying, like last year, Noel, where he was just on. He is the, he was the Christian McCaffrey of last year, and I think he's had a rough go this season. In fact, I would pin Grant's um, failure to launch on Saquon Barkley because he's been okay in Week One, thirty-five, then thirty-nine, eleven points in Week Three, then he missed three weeks straight. Came back, though, with a little bit of a vengeance, 24 and then 41 points last week. But when when you've got a guy like Saquon Barkley that he paid 
$70 for, you know, kind of middle of the pack, that it's the risk. In fact, we've seen the, both sides of the coin here. You pay big, you get big with Christian McCaffrey, it'll, it'll do great for your season. You pay big, and the guy underperforms, like Saquon Barkley, it can tank your season. So it's a, certainly a risk um, that has been, as we can see from this year, been addressed on both sides of the coin here. So it's been biting Grant and helping Vanessa. If this week, though, I think it'll certainly help Grant because I, I, I just like Saquon Barkley. He's just that, that awesome. Adam Thielen for Nick and Cortland Sutton for Grant. I Both of these guys are absolutely great. Thielen's going against a pretty tough KC defense in Arrowhead, so I think that's going to be a struggle for him. He's also limited in um, – in practice today, he had a ham. He has an, a hamstring industry. Industry. He has a hamstring injury. He's hamstring it, industry. What an asshole! <laughs> well, what a douche! And so he. I, I'm assuming he's going to play. I mean, he's kind. I would say actually fifty fifty at this point, but I. It's kind of tough. Um, so if he does, I think he will outperform uh, Cortland Sutton here. I like me some Cortland Sutton. Don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> He's got this guy, what's his name? Not Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew's clone. I don't remember. The guy who was in Denver who's throwing him, his name is not Joe Flacco or Drew Locke. Brandon so I don't Allen. Think, thank you, Brandon Allen. Um, Gardner Minshew, Brandon Allen, it's like the same thing. That's right. So um, Cortland Sutton I think will be fine, just not as great as Adam Thielen. In the tight end spot, you've got George Skittles there who is – uh, just a stud. He's going against the worst Arizona defense. In fact, he's already scored, so I don't even know why I'm analyzing what he could do. He did. 27 points. Jack Doyle is uh, going against a pretty bad D um, and has been averaging 9 points a game, so I think this is clearly Skittles game. In the flex one, we have Philip Lindsay versus Miles Sanders here. Kind of two middle-of-the-pack, tepid-type players here. Actually, that's not true. Uh, let me like, take a step back. Both of these guys are are starter worthy. Philip Lindsay is the twelfth uh, ranked running back throughout the season. My, my only qualm, I guess, with Philip Lindsay is which one are you going to get? Are you going to get the forty point Philip Lindsay? Are you going to get the ten point Philip Lindsay? It's going to be very interesting. I think you'll probably get the forty point Philip Lindsay this week because they're going to rely on him because we've got that guy fake Gardner Minshew in, and then um, they're going against Cleveland's pretty bad defense. Here. Miles Sanders is going against, again, a pretty eh, below-average Chicago defense here. But I think because the Broncos are going to lean on Lindsey, he's got he's got my vote. Austin Eckler versus Michael Gallup. I obviously like Austin Eckler. I drafted him this year. And he's going against a bad Green Bay um, run defense. And Michael Gallup is going actually against an even worse pass defense for the Giants. I think, I think this has to go to Eckler just because <sighs> – Oh, this, is gonna, this is interesting. Actually, I think it'll be a little bit closer than I'm, I'm making it out to be. But if Green puts a ton of points on the board, as we were talking about, uh, good old Marmalade Rivers is going to have to throw a lot, and we probably go to your guy, Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler will benefit from that, as we were talking, because he just he just has he's the the gem of of uh, the apple of Rivers' eyes. So he just he, he's right there. He's a great check down too because. He's so tiny. I don't know if a lot of the linebackers can see him. So Marmalar gets rid of the ball. Eckler has it. Even if he gets five yards, you've got you know at least a point and a half there from from your guy. So um, I think Eckler's going to outscore Gallup here, but it's going to be pretty close. Vikings D versus the Packers D. I like the Vikings. They've been doing well, but they're going against KC in Arrowhead, so I think that's going to be tough. The Packers uh, are going against the Chargers. Eh, eh, meh, Marmalar. So I think this is actually going to be Grant's Packers that are going to outperform. Zane Gonzalez has got him a paltry five points uh, on Thursday, and then the other special teams folks are there. So I think, ooh, this is a toughie. I think that Nick is going to win. I think he's going to get his first win this week. Um, but I've been proven wrong. I've voted for Nick in the past, and I've unfortunately have been uh, almost as snake bitten as he has. So I think I think this is going to be a fun game to watch because there's a lot on the line here. But ultimately, fast forward a week, I, I think Nick is one and eight, and Grant is zero and nine, and pounding some Jack Daniels. So let's uh, go on to the next game, Noel, if you don't mind. It would be the uh, Highlands Ranch Buffaloes versus Hanging with Mr. Cooper plus Hooper. So this is another battle of the bye weeks here, and 
man, it's right off the bat. Deshaun Watson, you know, just we talked about earlier, Mike, how there's just some quarterbacks that are just having that kind of year where they're generally over 40 points. That's Deshaun Watson playing against a surprisingly tough Jacksonville defense who traded away their top corner. Um, they're missing now their one of their top defensive tackles. One of their linebackers just retired in the offseason, but they're still doing well. Um, so, yeah, you know, maybe you put in Russell Wilson, but uh, who's playing against Tampa Bay? But, no, you go with the hot hand. You go with Deshaun Watson. However, Mike, as you said, this is pick your poison with either of those two guys. So doesn't really matter there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's had some monster or two monster weeks in a row, going against a – I don't know how they keep games relatively close on defense, but they do – the L.A. Chargers, so 27.6 points, depending on what the Packers do on offense, could be right in line, could be low, could be high, who knows. But I, I like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, in this case, over Aaron Rodgers. Christian McCaffrey against the Tennessee defense, which is shaky sometimes, and Christian McCaffrey is going to get the ball. They're going to be motivated to, to get really whatever happened to them last week, even with Christian McCaffrey having a huge week to just do even more, so I like that a lot. Marlon Mack has been very consistent this year, but you just it's hard to beat the big play explosiveness of Christian McCaffrey, so I think obviously the advantage goes to McCaffrey. And then just great, great start by Vanessa with Emmanuel Sanders. She has Julio Jones on bye week, Cooper Cup, who's been killing it on bye week. So let's put in the newly traded, like this is his first week playing for the San Francisco 49ers. And Manuel Sanders has 38 points, just smashing projection. Going against Juju Smith-Schuster, who, not really any fault of his own, has just had a really kind of humdrum season so far, missing uh, the big uh, dummy, Ben Roethlisberger, and either having Mason Rudolph or Duck throwing him passes and not doing it successfully. So I I I don't think he'll do even projection, to be honest with you. And then tight ends here. I think the check marks going to go in a big way to Josh with Hunter Henry because Mike, you and I were talking about before Marvel are his favorite targets. And Austin Eckler gets the checkdowns, and Keenan Allen's kind of the like I gotta have it kind of target. Hunter Henry does a little bit of both. He'll get the gotta have it touchdown. He'll get the gotta have it first down, but he'll also get the three yard checkdown. So that's just I think it was a great stash on Josh's part there. Uh, Chris Carson, though, against a pretty bad Tampa Bay defense so far. Uh, he'll probably get the projection, but then again, Amari Cooper has had just some monster games, not just this year in Dallas, but last year as soon as they traded for him. Uh, helped me a lot down the stretch. So 23.4 points or could have 50. I like Cooper over Carson in this instance. Mark Andrews, uh, it'll be interesting, Mike, to see what New England does against Baltimore's offense, which there's just so many weapons, including a quarterback who's just electric. So do they double-team Andrews? Do they try and keep Omar Jackson in the pocket? What do they do? Something's got to give. I do like, this is going to sound strange, I do like Andrews over Sony Michelle, though, because I think a lot of Sony Michelle's kind of production is based on getting touchdowns. And that Baltimore defense is surprisingly good. They're going to force Tom Brady probably to beat them more than the running backs. Uh, to defense, we've got the Cowboys because Vanessa is starting them against the Giants defense as opposed to the Rams who are on a bye week. And there should be some turnovers to be had there, even if there's some garbage time points or yardage they give up. Um, but Colts defense against the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers who might, correct me if I'm wrong, might be without James Conner, who might be injured this week. So that could be something to watch for there. I mean, this one could legit come down to kickers and punters, where you've got Brett Kern for the Tennessee Titans going against a tough Carolina defense, and he's also quarterbacked, the team's quarterbacked by Ryan Tannehill, and Lachlan Edwards, the Jets punter, going up against the Dolphins defense, which, are they good? Are they bad? Who knows? But it's still the Jets. So... This one is pretty big tips for Vanessa, and it's I like Vanessa's team top to bottom, but I can see some instances where this could easily break for Josh. Yeah, I completely agree, and James Conner is presently doubtful for the game, so I don't think we're going to see him this weekend. Um, all right, thank you, Noel. Let's go on to the next game here. It's five-second chug versus America Doomgivers. 
Um, I'd love to tell you what's going on, but I've just been kicked out of ESPN, so Hooray! that's not going to What'd help. What'd you do? Uh, I looked at my computer screen, which is apparently enough for it to go, <laughs> I'm done. So, uh, yeah, while I'm loading, let me tell you a story. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, so um, we are ready to go here. Five-second Chug versus America Doom Givers. It started on Thursday. Kenfield's up. Four points to zero with Robbie Gould scoring him a massive four points on Thursday. Um, Molly is projected to win 162 to 155, but Kenfield is taking the risky move of not starting a punter because his punter's on by and presently stashed on his bench for some reason. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so let's beyond that. I think it, it's going to be a pretty close game because assuming he throws in a punter, they're they're projections are basically going to be even here so let's look at let's look at these spots so you have good old kurt cousins in um on the quarterback position for molly he's going against a kc 20th ranked overall tom brady for kenfield is going against a much better baltimore d as we've been talking about so i got uh, even though tom brady's greatest of all time got to get someone to kirk or kurt in the running back position we have zeke elliott for molly running against royce freeman for kenfield I mean, Zeke, do yep. we have any rather? Okay, yep. so Zeke, that, that was easy. So Stefan Diggs for Molly versus Chris Godwin for Kenfield. I love both of these guys. I think they're phenomenally talented. Stefan Diggs is, as you kind of noted well, Noel, with um, Mark Ingram, has been quietly having a phenomenal year. Seventh-ranked wide receiver overall, been scoring almost 27 points a game. He is going against a pretty tough Casey defense in Arrowhead, as we talked about with Minnesota traveling to Kansas City this week. That's going to be tough. Godwin's going against an easier Seattle defense there, and he's been scoring more points. you got to give this one to Godwin. In the tight end position, we have Mike Gizicki. Gizicki? I have never heard of this player before. <laughs> Me neither. I didn't think you wanted to start anybody on Miami. So, Mr. Mr. Mike, because we're just apparently I found all the players with tough names. Mr. Mike for Molly in the tight end position is going against a very good Jets defense, which is kind of weird to say, for against tight end number five overall. But Mr. Witten, who is apparently losing his hair, which is tough to see, um, is uh, going against the Giants' third best against the tight end position. So, you got to give this one to Mr. Kazeki, Kazungle. So, Mr. Tight End for Molly is... Thanks, You're so funny. So, the... Um, yeah. I'm, whoever that guy is, Molly's Tight End is what I'm going to call him, is uh, I think will do better than Jason Wynn this week. And that sucks because I love me some Jason Wynn. Flex 1, Leonard Fournette's projected 31 versus Tyler Lockett's 27. Uh, I could see that because he's been averaging 32 and he's been just dominant this week. He's another guy who's been having a very sleepy, positive year. Uh, Tyler Lockett, though, also been absolutely great. He's the fifth best wide receiver. It's not the it's not the folks who you think are doing really well. It's these kind of like shadow players who are doing phenomenal for each one of these teams. So Molly's uh, Leonard Fournette is going against a pretty good Houston D. Tyler Lockett, though, is going against a pretty bad Tampa Bay D. So I got to give this one to Lockett. Jordan Howard, Philadelphia running back for Molly versus Julian Edelman, New England wide receiver for Kenfield. Jordan Howard is going against a mediocre D. Julian Edelman is going against a even worse D, believe it or not, against the wide receiver position. So I think this has got to go to Edelman here. I like Jordan Howard, but I think it's got to go to Edelman. Plus, I don't really trust the Eagles this year. Um, I just don't see them doing that well. Um, I don't know. just don't really like them. So maybe that's my bias kind of boiling up here, but I think uh, Edelman will do just fine this week for Kenfield. In the defensive slots, Molly's Eagles are going against the Bears, and interestingly enough, Kenfield's Bears are going against Molly's Philadelphia Eagles. Whoa! So, ooh, and then here's it gets even more interesting. Chicago is, um, or excuse me, the Eagles are going to Chicago, which is 20th against the defense. The Bears are going against Philly, which is 18th against the defense. So I'm going to call this an even 50-50 split that both of these teams will have a pretty good week on defense. Um, I'm not going to see probably a lot of differentiation there. So hmm, all said and done, I think I like me some hmm, – I'm going to go with Molly this week. And I, the reason why is I think uh, Kirk will do well. 
I think Zeke will do well, and I think Diggs and Fournette will do well. And I think that's going to be enough to push her over the top. Not to say that Kenfield will have a bad week, but I just think there's I think there's more explosive potential on Molly's side of the equation. I think Lockett and Edelman could clearly have upside potential. But I also feel that Brady, as good as he is, is kind of topped out. I don't really feel like he's really going to have huge, huge games. And I think that's also going to translate into good but not blowout games for Edelman. For example, Edelman's best game this year came in week five where he scored 39 points. So I think he's going to do fine. I think Edelman is a consistent-as-hell player, but he just doesn't have the explosive ability of like a Fournette or a Diggs or an Elliott. So I think Molly will advance to six and three. Kenfield will slide to three and six. Noel, let's wrap up this game. The park. This is the CSU Bowl. The Rams versus and into the flame. All right, and right off the bat, this is another test of Larson's roster management because Mike, as you and I have said on podcasts now in two seasons, no one is ever as <laughs> quite as ever snake bitten as Larson when it comes to injuries. So on Larson's bench right now, he has got Alvin Kamara, who is on a bye week, but is also dealing with an injury. He's got James Conner, who is also injured. A.J. Green, yes, bye week, but has been injured the entire year, and that has caused just, I can only assume, consternation on Larson's part, to the point where he is starting Lamar Jackson, who, as we said, it's going to be interesting to see what he does against, really, believe it or not, Newland's defense has been historically great so far this year. But Lamar Jackson is just a different kind of player. Let's be curious to see what he does with that. And then starting Jalen Samuels, the backup running back in Pittsburgh, because James Conner is out, which you might think, what the fuck? But Jalen Samuels has done well backing up Conner this year, has kind of dealt with some injuries himself, but he also gets what we like in our league, a lot of PPR points. And with Roethlisberger out, they've been using a lot of, not just running the ball, but a lot of screen passes to running backs. So I think that's a very good start. John Brown, as I said, he used to be just kind of the speed guy, but in Buffalo, he is the guy. So projected 17.5 points. And believe it or not, that Skins defense isn't terrible, but they're going to be on the field a lot. And it's, it's oftentimes hard for defenses to just keep up when they're on the field for so long with a player that's as fast as John Brown. From here is kind of where, not from where it goes south, but John U. Smith, a tight end, kind of a, you know, what else is Larson going to do? And that's, I don't, there's not much upside there. I think 10.5 points might be a little bit uh, generous, if you will. From there, though, Melvin Gordon, this is the week. If he's going to have a bounce-back week, this is it. Because, Mike, as you said before, Green Bay is bad against the running back. And what really the Steelers need to do is just try and just run the ball up the middle, which they should be able to do against Green Bay. So we'll see kind of what happens. If if Green Bay gets up by a lot early, Melvin Gordon might be shelved, or at least kind of not seen as much action. But this could be a huge week for him this week. Mark Walton, who has somehow emerged as the back in Miami with the trade of Kenyon Drake to Arizona, which paid, you'll see in a moment here, paid huge dividends for Ben. But, Mike, as you said, the Jets have been good against the run, and the Dolphins have been the Dolphins. Um, Seahawks defense will get some turnovers, even if they get the, give up some yards against that Tampa Bay offense. Chris Boswell's been pretty good this season as a kicker, and here is where Larson is playing some tactician stuff. He is not starting a punter, and I don't know if he will or not because it makes sense for him to keep Kamara. It makes sense for him to keep James Conner. He's held on to A.J. Green for this long, and he's almost back. Makes sense to keep him. Makes sense to keep Stafford. Uh, David Montgomery had a huge week last week. Makes sense to keep him. So maybe you say, I've got some explosive upside, not just in Samuels and Brown, but Melvin Gordon. And you roll with it, and you say, maybe a Lamar Jackson will have a huge week. So this is, even if you're not starting a punter, I think is not a bad decision here by Larson. But now to Ben's team, which is just uh, projected to win at this point, and in a large way because Kenyon Drake, in his first game after being traded to Arizona, already has 48 points, which unfortunately for Ben also meant his defense, which has been not historically great, but very good, 
only got him 8.5 points, which is certainly dragging down his projection right now, which is 166.7. From there, it's kind of it's hard to see really. Ben's going to be very reliant on Mike Evans this week because either Chris Godwin has an insane week or Mike Evans does. It's got to drive people nuts. And this could be Mike Evans' week. It could not be. You don't know. Ben is certainly hoping it will be. Darren Fells, I don't think he'll have a huge game like last week. DeAndre Hopkins is a threat to have a huge game. But uh, Deshaun Watson's just been spreading the ball around, so you don't know. Le'Veon Bell against Miami's defense. Maybe he has that week that Ben's been waiting for. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe maybe not. Maybe go fuck yourself. Uh, Carson Wentz against Chicago's defense, which should be good, which has been good or mediocre from week to week. Uh, yeah, it's just... And then... The Wad Man against Cleveland's subpar defense could be good. So right now this is Ben's game to lose, but there are reasons, even without a full roster, to like Larson this week. So um, I'm going to – I don't want to jinx him, but Larson, I'm actually going to call this one for you, big guy. I don't like to call you big guy. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> actually, I do. It was It's a reference to uh, Schitt's Creek, but let's just leave it with the other one. Yes. And you know what? He's got a big heart. He's a good guy. So that's what we'll say it is. So, all right. Thank you, Noel. Um, we have covered it all and in lightning fashion somewhat this week, although I have a feeling this is kind of a longer one because I, I take us down rabbit holes every now and again. It happens. Um, so let's uh, wrap it up here with the final two things to send off. But before we do that, we've got the poll, which people have already voted on. We actually have four votes. And the poll this week is, what's more mind-boggling, the Titletown Warriors going 8-0, and which one person has voted for, or the Galloping Gonorrheas and the Space Force both going 0-8, which has garnered three votes so far. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Go ahead and vote if you'd like. And with that, Noel, I think we've covered everything we need to for this week. Is there anything else you want to chat about tonight? Um, just a quick thing with the Browns game coming against the Broncos. Um I know it's easy to blame, you know, like with Flacco, it's easy to blame, um, what's his face? Oh, fuck. Uh, Mike, who's the Browns quarterback? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. But when I watch that offense play, it's like they got too many weapons, but they're poorly coached. So oftentimes they're just not executing. The line's doing bad. They're running weird plays that really don't make any sense because they've got so many toys to play with. And just nothing works out. So, that being said, I think the only way the Broncos win this week is if the Browns do enough to beat themselves, which is a ridiculously weird thing to say, but I've just got to throw that out there. You know, I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm pretty sure you've already covered this, but I am benching Odell Beckham Jr. this week. I just don't think he's going to do well. I don't think the Browns... The Browns are just uninspired. It goes back to kind of looking at teams and looking on paper versus reality. The Browns on paper are phenomenal. In reality, they're not good. And I feel like that's kind of Nick's team this year. On paper, they're great, but they just haven't been performing to expectations. So it'll be a fun game to watch. And it's not just our Broncos, but it'll just be a fun game to watch in general. So, okay, Noel, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate you spending your time with me to do this. Thank you for everyone for listening. I really appreciate that as well. With nothing else to go over, Noel, please send us out. Go, Bronco. Good job and good evening.